0: We'd like to thank Mercedes-Benz of Nashville for allowing us to record in this conference room. I'm Cameron Martz, and I'm here with Abigail Martin. Hey, y'all. <laughs> and Abby Miles.
1: Hi. So I'm going to jump right into it and get everybody sad and depressed, as they should be. Um, the Preds are at 13.1%. They are 30th in the league. I don't know. I, <laughs> can we just end that this- <laughs> there and just continue?
0: <laughs> There's honestly no words to describe how pitiful the power play is i'm <laughs> surprised that there is a team that has a worse power play than the Preds. i know like how are the preds only 30th with their power play i feel like they sh- should be 31st
2: should be the worst but they're not so that's that's a plus there's always some positivity but then again if you're not first you're last and we're flirting really close to being last
1: yeah i think it's the montreal canadians that are worse and they are at 13 percent. so they are point one percent worse. Preds are close.
2: In our last podcast I mentioned that when your team's in a slump you know you have room to improve and we as Preds fans know and the league itself organization know that with the team being second to last they have so much room to improve and they're able to thrive even though the power play isn't there. And it's really upset to see you have a man advantage or you have a two-man advantage, whatever it is. There's no ability to get in the offensive zone and get something going. You have the passing that's there all day long, which it gets irritating. I mean, you're a Preds fan and you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're just screaming to shoot. You're wanting someone to go after it. You're not wanting to something to start on the blue line. There's been a couple games where you look at the heat map and everything's at the blue line, and then you have a game or two where everything's right in front of the net, right where you want it to be. And that's where you see the power play goals come from or goals in general. You get traffic in front of the net and you get a tip in, anything that'll work for you.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned that. Uh, The Preds are okay at getting into the zone and they get set up when they can. It's just, it's that they're it's perimeter passing after perimeter pass after perimeter pass. The Preds don't have the net front presence that they had with Patrick Hornquist. Oh love
2: of my life. Keep talking about him. Keep even
1: playing. even Colin Wilson, Abigail, oh, calm down. Extra love. Um cool. it's hard to see such a talented power play unit not be able to convert on the main advantage. And I just it's I would give a lot of money to give the Preds ten minutes with the Tampa Bay power play coach. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, especially since they're number one in the league in power play. I think the Preds definitely need it. 29.5%. I, I will say, recently, they've kind of sort of gotten better with it. It's not as bad as it used to be, but still nowhere near as good as it should be, especially with the like offensive talent and the ability to score. And the fact that it's not coming from the power play is crazy.
2: It's going to take time to get as you said where it should be cuz look how low the preds are doing right now but as i said earlier there's so much room to improve and watching a team go from struggling to thriving especially in the power play unit think about how like think about how the preds are going to be so threatening as soon as they are able to produce on the power play shorthanded that's we have Austin Watson for that abby go ahead
1: austin watson it's just it's all all jokes aside all me being like him being my favorite player aside he is our strongest penalty killer obviously and it's so hard for him to get called for penalties and it's so hard obviously like when he gets called for penalties it shows how much of a disadvantage that the Preds are at when they don't have Austin Watson on the penalty kill he's blocking shots he's intercepting passes he's always just up in the play constantly he's moving around he's putting his body in front of the shots it's just incredible to see such a talented penalty killer on the ice and knowing that the Preds have him it's it's, de- it's definitely a confidence booster, I'm sure, for them.
0: I agree with you. I think he puts his body on the line and... Luckily, nothing bad is His teeth happened. show it. Yeah, his teeth show it, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you got to lose, lose a few teeth yeah, to show. Yeah, Victor knows that. <laughs> yeah, you got to show that you're a hockey player a little bit. You know, I saw him
2: at Blue Coast Burrito a couple years ago, and I called him out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Austin Watson. Of course, had a fangirl moment. And, of course, like any other fan, I asked for a picture. And Austin wasn't smiling with his teeth. And my mom and I, we both looked up at him. And we were like, no, no, you can't do that. He was like, but my teeth. I was like, I know exactly how your teeth look. And this was... Right after he got high stick from the Blues, this was a game or two, or not a game or two, this was a day or two after that happened, and we both kept telling him, we were like, we know you're a hockey player, we know this happened to you, you have to show. And it's it was a really cute moment, because he did try to hide it, and he did try to show what he's left on the ice, but we got him to warm up, his teeth were showing what there was left, anyways.
1: See, I'll never understand hockey players that are ashamed of the battle scars that come out of games like that. Like, you, you have lost teeth? Fine, show it. You have... A scar on your face, show it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's what comes with playing the game.
0: I want to know how many NHL players actually don't have teeth, like some of their front teeth, and they just wear dentures. James Neal. Yeah, James Neal, <laughs> but it's like interesting to kind of figure out. I'm pretty sure Crosby has fake teeth as well, so... Yeah, it's just weird because you don't normally you don't necessarily know unless they show it, like Austin Watson. I mean,
1: I'm all for wearing like the fake teeth like in public and like when you're with your family and all that. But I mean, like it's it's not a bad thing. I think it's cool. I I like it. I support it. I hockey too. tough. I love it. Speaking of hockey tough, um, tough news and tough news. Anthony Botetto uh, went on waivers and was claimed
0: by the Minnesota Wild. Oh, he's joining all Pontus. Oh, Pont. Don't make me Man. sad. Honestly, I I love Potato. He's probably one of my favorite Preds players, favorite defenseman. He is such a genuine guy. And I remember meeting him at the Stanley Cup final two years ago. And they were playing soccer before warm-ups. And one of the guys kicked the ball down. And Tony came. And I was like, hey, Tony, can we get a photo real fast? He was like, yes, of course. And he was so willing to... She can take a photo with like us, even though he doesn't necessarily need to, technically. It's it's, it's game time. Yeah. It's pregame. It's pre-game. That's, he doesn't have to take photos. And it's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken with a press player.
1: He's such a big personality. Like him, it's so fun to see how him and P.K. Subban uh, interact and how good of friends they are. And it breaks my heart that I'm not going to be able to see that all the time anymore.
2: It, it sucks losing him, but what I'm going to miss the most are his crazy facials during the game. There's so many just funny and adorable pictures of him making the craziest faces and not going to be able to see that in a gold jersey anymore that's going to be sad but as soon as he was released on waivers everybody on twitter was oh why him why him i'm not going to get more into deeper deep into that but you're i'm sad to see him go but glad to see that he's still in the league he's going with the wild mm-hmm. rejoining it's Hopefully it's a new experience for him, and I can't wait to see him again.
0: Honestly, yeah. I think he's going to get more playing time because mm-hmm. obviously with the Preds, they have a lot of good defensemen in their organization, and Potato, Potato's good. I mean, obviously he didn't get the amount of time on ice that he really wanted to, and he was scratched for the last couple games, but I think with the Wild, they really need a veteran defenseman like Potato. And I, I'm so excited to like see him be successful in –
1: Minnesota, and I mean he's still in the Central Division, yeah, so, so we'll, see we'll him still five games. We'll see him. yep we'll still be able to see him play a pretty good amount. Um, but it'll it'll sting a little bit the first time that we see him in a Wild jersey. That'll that that's when it'll really hit me that he's not with the Preds anymore.
0: Real question: Will he get a video? <gasps> of course, I hope so. You have to.
1: I mean, obviously he's not like a big name player, but I feel like every player that has played at least one full season with a team should at least get not even like a huge tribute video, blah blah. blah just at least get like a little bit of just,
0: like, a thank you for doing what you did for this team. I think you should get a blooper reel <laughs> of all of, like, Potato's interviews and trips to the hospital. See, and that's that what stuff. I'll miss. I'm just...
2: I'm, I mentioned his facials, but when you're in the game and they have the in-game showing of, or, like, the intermissions, and they're asking, like, the questions with Chris Mason or with Lindsey Rowley, and they're just asking just really simple questions, like, what's your superhero or what would you like to be? His reactions are always so genuine, and as you mentioned, he's that person off the ice, and it's amazing to see. It's going to be sad to see him in Minnesota. But as you said, hopefully it works out the best for him. He's hopefully going to get consistent playing time rather than being scratched, and I don't know. It's, it's bittersweet. It's kind it of is. like with Colin Wilson or Seth Jones. They were doing okay here. They go out, and amazing things happen. So well, hopefully Brown that's the same to. way. I didn't want to say him because I hate saying that he's gone. But okay. That's fine. Sorry. I, I'm crying a little bit. I wouldn't
1: hate it as much <laughs> if he wasn't on the Penguins. I know that, like, I don't know. It just, the Penguins, it stings now. I love him, though. I, I mean, love him. He's He was such a good net front presence, and that's something that will always be irreplaceable Patrick, from him.
2: Patrick was my first hockey love. And as I'm getting into the game and – he was just – I saw him as such a strong player. And, of course, he's got blonde hair, blue eyes, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But seeing he was traded, I remember the day he was traded. And I'm sure every hockey fan's had that. You remember exactly what happened when your favorite player got traded. And it really stung in the Stanley Cup playoff whenever – the final run. And James Neal was taken the next season for free for nothing. But Patrick Hornquist scored the game-winning goal to win the Stanley Cup. And not only was – it wasn't even in Pittsburgh. It was at home. And that was – awful but yeah going back to the point he was a great net front net front presence and i'm looking forward to seeing who's going to take that spot on the preds or getting someone like simmons as that scene Mm -hmm. in the trade rumors what do you all think about that
1: i don't i'm not really sure i mean i'm 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 kind of like torn whether to feel like oh simmons would be great but who would we have who would the preds have to give up i feel the same way it's it's kind of like a Back and forth, like yes, Simmons would be great, and he's a great net front presence. He's aggressive. He's he's all in everybody's face. But who would we have to give up for him?
0: Speaking of trade rumors, what about Berkovsky from Caps? I don't want it. Mm. Berkovsky is not allowed to leave the Caps unless he gets <laughs> to the Preds. That's it. Yeah, but would you guys want him on the team? And what do you think the Preds would have to give up to? I love Andre Berkovsky.
2: No matter who it is, it's hard to think of who the Preds would have to give up. General Manager David Poyle has done a lot of, I don't know, controversial things that Preds fans could say. But it'd be amazing to see what he could pull off or what he would pull off because the Preds have such a great depth and everybody works together. The chemistry is there. So it's really tough to think about what you would give up in order for getting something new and getting a new chemistry to find out or – just that area. It's really difficult to to go after, I think.
1: And I I hate – I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but Kevin Viala. Of course. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because I know so many – he's not a bad player. He's not. He's just very unlucky. I, I, I think St. Louis broke him when he broke his femur, and I hate to mention that because that, that really was a heartbreaking moment seeing yeah. him hit the boards mm-hmm. like that, and it was – Definitely a dangerous, dangerous moment for him. But I just I, – I don't think he's been the same since then.
0: No, I, I could agree with you on that one. I don't think – like you said, he's been very unlucky. Because he could easily be a 30-goal scorer if he really could. Like.
1: Yeah, he has, he has the speed. He has the hands. He has the momentum that he needs. It's just it's, – it always seems like he's just unlucky constantly. Like, whether it's him slipping on the buck um early in early in the season or just a breakout a breakout pass that he it just falls off the stick or a quick turnover in the uh, defensive zone that causes a goal it's just it's his his last whatever it's just, he's unlucky and I'm gonna get a lot of hate for even like mentioning him in the trade rumors but I just I don't know it's just a possibility I know a lot of teams would love Kevin Fiala, and a lot of teams would need Kevin Fiala, so I guess I'm being selfish and stubborn by saying the Preds don't need him because they probably do, and he does do some good things occasionally. I just, I don't know. I'm very opinionated when it comes to Kevin Fiala, so I should probably shut up.
2: I think what you're saying is reasonable. You see what has such potential. You see the Stanley Cup final. You see what's going on. You see Kevin Fiala in coexistence is who I mentioned, but Kevin Fiala is that person that you see can do so much, and to see him fall and, as you said, kind of struggle, be unlucky, is hard to see as Preds fans. So I think it's understandable, and he would be a great fit somewhere else. But he also has a fit with the Predators.
1: Exactly, like he has so much potential, so so much potential. It's just he's not living up to the hype of how a lot of Preds play, how a lot of Preds fans feel like he should be. You know who has a lot of potential.
0: Rocco oh Grimaldi oh my goodness <laughs> that's so true don't uh. even
1: get me started the little Rocco Grimaldi Five, six, a torpedo a Victor Arvison 2.0 I was actually I'm gonna be
2: 100% honest I was really nervous when we acquired him I didn't know how I felt I, I don't really know how to describe what I felt but it wasn't positive it wasn't the worst thing in the world but I wasn't I wasn't sure that he was gonna be a great fit And looking at him now, he's succeeding. He's on a hot streak right now. It wasn't your thoughts on Zach Ronaldo. It's very true. And Hartman, I wasn't sure how he was going to be, and now I'm in love.
1: I mean, I'd rather feel that way than feel excited and then be disappointed. I'd rather feel controversial about it and then be surprised, Mm -hmm. which is exactly how I feel about Aka Gamaldi, how I feel about Ryan Hartman. Zach Ronaldo hasn't really had enough playing time for me to really make a judgment on how – like, what kind of player he is and how he affects the Preds. But, I mean, from what I've seen, I like the game that he plays. I like his aggression. I like how he makes the other team feel when he is hitting, when he's constantly up in their face. It's just, I, I like his game style. But, Z- but Rocco Grimaldi's is fantastic. He's
0: not afraid to hit anybody. I mean, yeah, he's not the tallest guy in the league. <laughs> not but at all. <laughs> he's not scared to hit the tallest person in the league. Mm-hmm. He'll hit him as hard as he can, and I think that's – Great, because he can be a goal scorer or he can be an enforcer. He'll be anything. He can be that net front presence that the Preds need. He, like I said, Victor Arvison 2.0. We have one in the making. He scored that phenomenal uh,
1: spinorama goal. How could anyone forget that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, You could hear the announcers that like weren't the Preds' announcers. You could hear them, how surprised they were that a guy like Rocco Grimaldi,
0: not the best player on the Preds, was able to pull that move off. I was in my dorm room and I screamed. So I'm pretty sure the people around me probably thought I was dying, but no, it's just Rocco Grimaldi scoring a crazy goal like that.
1: It was I was I was there and it was fantastic. It's amazing to see you
2: see someone I mean, as as we mentioned, he is someone that really surprised us and it's amazing to see where he's gonna find his role on the Predators. And Cameron, like you said, enforcer, goal scoring, whatever it is, he's slowly finding his role to his spot.
1: Yeah, I'm I love that he's on this team and I think I think he's going to be a fantastic unit in our power play. He's been he's given power play time. He is constantly rotating, he's moving around. He's I think he's exactly what the preds have been needing for a while now.
0: Speaking of Rocco Grimaldi, we have a special guest with us today. We have Abby Grimaldi with us. So, Abby, how are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: We are great. We're good. Great. We're good.
1: Okay, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Um, So, how special was it for you to be able to watch Rocco's mom witness his goal in person on the mom's trip?
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, it was funny because I was watching at, like, a Chili's across the street from our hotel. Um. For the goal when they were in Washington, and I couldn't, like, hear what they were saying because all I saw was, like, the screen, but they just, like, kept showing the moms, and they kept showing the moms, and then, like Rocco said, she's not really a crier, so when he got the goal and she started crying, I was like, oh my gosh, and then the rest of the day, they just, like, kept putting her everywhere, so I was calling for, like, an internet sensation, <laughs> and, and then the next day he scored again, and that one I was there for because it was a home game, um... And I just gave her a big hug, and it was, yeah, it was pretty sweet.
2: (laughs) So what was it like watching Rocco take on a bigger role on the team?
3: Yeah, it's been exciting. Um, When we signed her this offseason, we didn't really know what to expect, but we were hopeful that he was going to get a chance. And what I've noticed is that it's been very, like, inch by inch with, like, ice time and opportunities and stuff, but he's gotten to play the past maybe 25 consecutive games, and it's like an absolute dream come true. So it's been pretty cool.
0: So what is it like for you with having a husband like Rocco that travels as much as he does on the road with the Preds?
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, there's definitely good and bad to it. Um, Like, we've moved 10 times since we got married in July of 2016. Wow. And that's been nuts. But, like, as a creative myself, like, I'm a songwriter and, like, a blogger and all these things. And to be honest, I've always been really independent. Like, he was my first boyfriend. Um, I've always kind of filled my time well. So to be real, like when he's on the road, I actually kind of enjoy it because it gives me like an empty apartment to write music and to do my own thing. So yeah, it's the perfect balance, but I do like when he's home and we do get a lot of time together.
1: So you said that he was your first boyfriend. So how long have you guys been together?
3: Yeah, and I was his first girlfriend too. So (laughs) just babies. Um, So he is a year older than me and we didn't know each other when he was a freshman in college. Like he chose my hometown for his university. And we have been together since 2012, so, like, six years. We met right before I started college.
1: Oh, that's so, that's so cute. cute. I love that. So yeah.
2: <laughs> you mentioned how creative you are, so we wanted to ask, how did you get involved with your music and YouTube?
3: Sure. Okay, well, I am from a pretty musical family. Like, my dad plays guitar, pretty much anything you can think of by ear, and then I have a ton of cousins that sing. My older sister does. Um, but I started piano lessons at seven, and was like very intensely classically trained, and I also played violin, I did like children's choirs, I did summer theater at our like church growing up, so for me it's always been something I loved, but then around the age of 15, I became like a really passionate Christian, and I felt a tug on my heart to pursue music ministry, and I also have a music education degree, so kind of since the age of 15, I've been like writing songs and taking music like really seriously, I would say.
0: Do you have any favorite moments since you've been doing music?
3: I guess one of, like, my coolest moments was that last year I got to sing at a San Antonio Spurs game, and that was the biggest crowd I'd ever sung for. It was, like, 18,000 people, I want to say, and it was my first, like, NBA game. So that for me was really special. And also what made it cool was that to be up front, like, Rocco never really gets to see me perform ever because he's always, like, on the road or always has a game. Um, So he's really only seen me sing maybe a couple anthems, maybe seen me compete in, like, one pageant, um, but most other things he's typically had games on, but he got to be there for this game, and so he, like, went down with me before the game, and he, like, held my bag while I sang, and I could tell he was just, like, such a proud husband. It was, like, a role reversal, kind of, of, like, how I'm always the wife that's, like, at his games and stuff, so... That, for me, was probably, like, one of my top singing moments.
1: So, what I'm hearing is that we need to get you in at Bridgestone Arena.
3: <laughs> oh, man. That would be awesome. The anthem singers are so good. They are. At the Preds games,
0: they're so good. I think you could do it, though. Yeah, you could.
1: We, did, we just need to get you in. And
0: we'll, you, put, we'll put
1: in a good word. You literally have all sport.
0: We do. We have faith in in
1: We, <laughs> do, we have the faith, <laughs> we and have and
0: faith and in you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be cheering you out. We'll be your number one supporters of the National Anthem. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
3: <laughs> Go ahead. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, we
2: have another question for you and more personal towards you. So, what is your advice for anyone out there who's struggling to get out of their comfort zone?
3: I love this question. Um, I'll tell you a short story. So, when I was 15, I finally started singing. Like, I had always known that I had a good voice, and I was really interested in it. Um, But for whatever reason, I just kind of, like, refused to sing solos. I don't know if I thought I was too, like, emotional or what. But, like, I never even, like, sang for my parents or anything. So at the age of 16, I, like, returned home from this summer at Bible Camp where I'd been leading worship. And they were like, will you you sing for us? And I did. And, like, my grandparents were there. Everyone was crying. It was crazy. Um, But after that, it started this, like, eight-year journey now that I'm 24 of – like, when I started singing, I had, like, the worst stage fright ever, I was, like, shaking my shoes, and I was so, like, frustrated by it, and I guess my best piece of advice for anyone trying to get out of your comfort zone is, like, the only way that you can get better at getting out of your comfort zone is by, like, signing up for opportunities to do so, but when I did start singing, I started, like, auditioning for every solo and choir, and I would, like, put my name on the list for any type of singing gig that my voice teacher had available. I would sign up for, like, national anthems, like, anything. Um, And, like, even in college, I did, like, the Miss America system, which at first was, like, really putting myself out there and trying something new. But I guess because I started at such a young age of getting used to, like, as a performer, just kind of having to put myself in uncomfortable situations, I think that it's really benefited me and, like, my personal confidence and that I know that, even if something is uncomfortable or nerve-wracking, that, you know, I think to myself, like, okay, well, I've been doing this kind of stuff for years, so, you know, I can do it.
1: That's yeah. what I would
3: tell people is just just do it, you know, just, like, start signing up for stuff, whatever your interest may be.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I want to kind of rewind a little bit to what we were talking about before. You said sure. that you and Rocco have moved, you said, 10 times, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of give us kind of the gist of what that journey has been like.
3: Okay, so... The day after we got married, I packed three suitcases, and we flew to the Bahamas, but his parents took my suitcases, and we moved into, like, this pre-furnished little beach condo tiny thing, and since then, the rest of the moves have been, like, he's been up and down for several years, and so, like, we will, like, the past years we were with Colorado, so, like, we would drive there, we'd move, like, either two cars full of stuff or one car full of stuff into the hotel room, and we'd live there for like a month, two months, Um, and then then if he'd get sent down, then we'd move to like the minor city, and then anytime he would get called up, we would like fly with a a good amount of stuff back and forth, but you never really know how long it would be for, Um, and then this past year, he was like the last cut of camp, so we um, moved to Milwaukee, and he ended up getting called up like two days after we had actually (laughs) finished moving into that place. Um, which was, like, really exciting for us. But we were like, of course, with timing-wise. And then, I mean, I I can't even be any more thankful than I possibly am that he's gotten to stay up, like, basically this whole season. Um, And we're actually in the car today moving to Nashville. So this is Move 10.
0: So how special is it to you to, like, kind of have some comfort about staying in Nashville for hopefully more than just a couple months?
3: Yeah, it's hard to he came home last week from the rank, and I figured they had to give us news at some point or some sort of housing update because we'd been living in the hotel on and off for about four months and um so he came home and I was like did you get a letter today and he was like no because he hadn't physically gotten a letter but they had told him that day that we were able to get a place in Nashville and so then right as we were about to leave for lunch he was like give me a hug And I was like, why? He's like, just give me a hug. And then he told me that we got to move to Nashville. And I was like, are you lying to me? He was like, no. And I was like, ah. And I just started crying. (laughs) It was just, like, such a a great relief. And, I mean, it's still not, like, 100% stable, but we have dreamt of him getting, like, an NHL housing letter, meaning, like, that he could get a place in, like, the NHL city for, since, like, his fifth pro year. So, kind of too deep to put into words, like how thankful we are at this point. We've been through a lot.
2: And not only is this move to Nashville so good for Rocco to have a firm spot in the NHL, but also for you because you're stuck in Music City. How does that help you progress as an artist?
3: Oh, I'm thrilled. I already have a handful of friends that are actually from my home state of North Dakota that have recently moved to Nashville to pursue their music. And so it's been a really great base for me to like hang out with these friends and a couple of them are even playing on Broadway so I'll go visit and watch and then um, we've kind of started making connections within the Christian music scene even Rocco making friends with a couple artists here so for me still kind of in a phase where I'm trying to like meet people that I could potentially write with or find producers for and stuff but yeah an
1: absolute dream situation that's for sure yeah you're definitely in the right spot to pursue more of your career Well, we just wanted to thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule and being on the podcast. We will go ahead and let you go so you can focus on getting to Nashville and getting comfortable. So thank you again for being on and we definitely hope to have you on again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. 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 All right, I know this is exactly what everyone has been waiting to talk about. The Nashville Predators will be playing in the 2020 Winter Classic in Dallas, at the Cotton Bowl, against the Dallas Stars. I am
0: ecstatic. I'm thrilled, so excited. Like, I can't even imagine just the atmosphere. And I know a lot of Preds fans are already planning on going and already booked hotels for that weekend. And so, I know it's a big stadium. But there's going to be a lot of gold.
1: I mean, there's already a lot – you already see a lot of gold, like, at Dallas Stars games. Oh, yeah. And just think about it. Like, yeah, Preds fans will travel for, like, a regular season game, whatever. But asking Preds fans to travel for a Winter Classic that they have never had, that's thats asking the entire city of Nashville to travel to Dallas. Yeah.
2: The Predators already travel really well with the regular season, as you just said. And this is so special because it's the first time in the organization – I know Preds fans forever have always said, when are we gonna get a Winner Classic? When are we getting a stadium series? When are we getting this? When are we getting that?
1: We're getting it. Slowly but surely Preds fans are getting it. And I I don't even know I don't even know how to react. It's it's been twenty I mean, I guess Preds fans have been expecting it for a lot longer than they really should have been. The Preds have only been a team for 20 years. They're a young team. They just went to the Cup Final, and I think that's when they really started being in the conversation about having a Winter Classic, is when
0: the entire NHL saw how passionate about hockey that this city is. Yeah, especially during, like you said, Stanley Cup Final, 50,000 people in the streets of Nashville. That's crazy to think of. With CMA Fest and the Stanley Cup Final, the fact that the city of Nashville could handle that is just I think, incredible. I think it was more than that. I think they ended up counting, like, 125,000 people That's in the city of downtown Nashville. Crazy. That's insane. It's that is, like, I love the Nashville fans. They are, like, family to me. And even though I don't even know, probably half of them, not even half, like, not even... 10% of them. Yeah. It's still just so amazing. See, I wish, I wish, I'm not going to, like,
1: be selfish, but I wish the game was being played in Nashville.
2: Oh, of course. That's but, so
1: reasonable to say. Yeah, I hate to be selfish, though, because, I mean, they're still getting a Winter Classic. It's still happening. But I, I I just want, I want it to be at Nissan Stadium, or even at uh, Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. It'd be a fantastic, it'd be fantastic either way. I know me and Abigail are Vandy fans, so it's hard to give Knoxville the benefit of the doubt, but... All in all, Nealand's an amazing stadium. I would take the trip,
2: no matter being a Vandy fan. Oh, yeah. I would so take that trip. It's, it's something like I don't want to miss. For the Vols. Exactly. It's no okay. orange is going to be involved. There's going to be gold and there's going to be green. What more? You're going to Nealand and you're not going to see a thing of orange. It's not going to be a drip. Uh, I, well, oh, that sounds nice.
1: It'll That's... be around. It'll be around, but it won't be It'll be, be irrelevant. A if somebody wears something Vols into a Winter Classic game,
0: they're going to get a lot of crap for that probably but it's still a Tennessee team so
2: but the priority for that night is gonna be green and and it's gonna be gold true so I can take that a lot better than having ugly checkerboard orange talk about
1: puke if some orange people show up green yellow and orange no thanks no thanks I mean talk about puke in general but (laughs) I mean the orange would kind of make it just a tad too much as long as Rocky top (laughs) isn't played I think we're gonna be okay Hmm. Wow. You don't want to hear Rocky Top? Not at all. I feel like Rocky Top will just would just be radiating through the city.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They just have like every building playing <laughs> it <That laughs> every so hour.
2: Happens. Every hour, instead of there being like a little church bell as you'd expect in a small town, is Rocky Top every hour on the hour. I
1: could expect you that. Not from them. <laughs>
0: me.
1: It wouldn't. It'd be oh goodness, sorry. But either way, that's I'm. Um, so excited to go to Dallas for the first time. I'll be there. I know you guys will be there, too. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait to see the Nashville fan turn out. It's going
0: to be incredible. And the first year, and it feels like forever without Chicago being in it or the Penguins or the Flyers or any of those teams, it's going to be great. Yeah, the Avs,
1: the Avs in Los Angeles will be an interesting matchup yeah, in Colorado. Definitely. That's definitely that's not a matchup that I expected at all. The- Honestly, I expected more of the avalanche and, like, min- I know a lot of Dallas fans wanted Minnesota because they're more of, like, the central division mm-hmm. rivals right there. And I was
0: hoping, hoping that the Preds would go out and play Colorado in Colorado. I, I wonder if they did the Colorado-LA after that uh, good old 7-1 uh, <sighs> loss a couple games ago. I mean, the NHL is trying to be
1: more aggressive with their – Game playing, So, I mean, they're just trying to make it interesting as much as they can. I, th- exp- I think it will be good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're going to expose a lot of new people to the Winter Classic because, as we've mentioned, the Predators haven't had this opportunity. So, a lot of the new Predators fans that have been gained over the years, especially with the Stanley Cup Final, are going to be really thrilled to have something new. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I there's no words. I can't wait to go to Dallas. It's going to be
1: that's gonna be. That's going to be a crazy year for me. I'm going to the Winter Classic, and then a couple days later, I'll be at uh, the All-Star Game in St. Louis. Yep. There I'll goes see my you. bank account. I'll <laughs> see you there. there goes my bank account. It's gone. It's non-existent. Something's a little bit
2: more important that I think we should talk about. In the All-Star competition, we have USA Hockey's Kendall Coyne was the first woman to participate in the skills competition, and she finished seventh as the fastest skater. How do you all feel about seeing a woman really push herself
0: into being in the All-Star game? I think it's great, honestly. She beat Clayton Keller, which little guy. Little guy can skate. Little
1: and boys can skate. <laughs> yeah, can. But
0: I just think it's cool to have – a female represent in the all-star game obviously like we said in the last podcast there is a nwhl but kind of being in the all-star game it's kind of cool
1: yeah it's not even about like her coming in and beating these guys imagine what it's like for her like personally to be able to be invited to this and be competitive with these nhl players that are constantly playing and they're training and I mean, it's it's a huge accomplishment for her to even be involved, and I'm sure that it was an emotional night for her.
2: I'm sure because not only was she involved, but being the first woman, being able to set that standard and seeing how much that's going to progress, and it started because of her. I think that's amazing. That's something inspirational that a lot of girls and a lot of women can look up to.
1: Yeah. It upsets me, though, because there were a lot of people, like, on social media that were saying, why is a girl involved? This isn't the NWHL. This isn't what this league is about. And, like, these are women saying this. And it it just – imagine, like, what these women are making it out, like, what they're doing to make other girls think that they can't be as good as these NHL players. And that shouldn't – like you said, it should be the standard. She set a very large standard last night where girls can still come in and be competitive with these NHL players. And I think that's huge.
2: Well, I think that wraps it up for us. Thank you guys for listening to Breakaway Beauties and stay tuned for the next episode.